Well, good evening, We Tackle Life podcast listeners, and it's a late evening. It is late on, let me see, what day is it? Tuesday, the 24th of October. Uh, this is branded as the 24th of October We Tackle Life podcast, and if we start it before midnight, I mean, I guess that's accurate. Uh, I intended to get with you a lot earlier today. I actually intended to get with you last night, but I was uh, transfixed by my Arizona Diamondbacks defeating the Philadelphia Phillies. Sorry about your luck there, Phillies. And uh, the Diamondbacks getting into the World Series, which is kind of a cool thing for me because uh, the first year that I was married to my beautiful wife, Sherry, was 2001. And we were all like picking ourselves up off the floor after 9-11 and the Diamondbacks beat the Yankees in the World Series that year. It's always been a special year for us uh, as a couple. Now we have uh, three kids and the Diamondbacks are back in the World Series. So excited about that. And we'll talk about the Diamondbacks and the Rangers and what it tells us about the Indians and the Reds as we get a little bit deeper into this podcast, but we want to welcome you in, encourage you to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and on your favorite podcast platform. It would mean a lot. We're trying to ramp back up. Obviously, this podcast started as a tandem effort between myself and Chris Spielman. Chris off to bigger and better things, although not last weekend with the Lions lost to the Ravens, but uh, they'll get back on track. They're fine. That's the NFL. You have weeks where you just can't believe that you got beat as bad as you did, but things can spiral out of control and Chris and I talked about that this week, and, you know, it happens. It happens in the NFL. It's how winless teams sometimes beat great teams. It's how the Browns can beat the 49ers. The 49ers had a bunch of injuries, and the Browns have been amazing the last two weeks with wins without, essentially, Deshaun Watson. We'll see if they can get that done again this week against the Seattle Seahawks as they announced today that Deshaun Watson is out. So a lot going on in sports. And again, this is not really a results-oriented podcast. So we'll talk about some results today, specifically the lack of them from James Franklin, the head coach at Penn State, and whether Luke Fickle, the head coach at Wisconsin, can get a big win, his biggest, no doubt, uh, as the Badgers head coach here in his first year. Buckeyes in Wisconsin play on Saturday night. But first, a little update on me. We're getting ready to announce uh, the treatment plan that I'll have for the brain cancer that I have. You look at me and go, why is your hair so short? Well, because they shaved it off when they did a operation on my brain on September the 15th. So we're a little more than five weeks out from that surgery. Still got a little bit of a scar right there. Uh, getting rid of that, and we're going to start treatment uh, coming up here in November. So we'll keep you updated on that. If you want to keep updated on uh, my blog, it's at brucehooley.com, brucehooley.com. Check that out. Love to have you subscribe to that on email, and hopefully you'll find the content inspirational, which takes me back to the reason for the blog is uh, encouragement, I guess, direct order, somewhere between the two from Spiels after I was diagnosed because, of course, I was privileged to write Chris and Stephanie's book, that's why I'm here, the Chris and Stephanie Spielman story. And Chris said, hey, this is something that you now have. Uh, you're carrying the baton for uh, Steph, for my late friend Neil Laron, who just died of 9-11-related cancer. Uh, it's something that Chris thought I could uh, talk about and help people with. And if that is the case, I'd be honored to do so. Uh, the uh, content is uh, decidedly, decidedly uh, faith-oriented, which is uh, where my mindset is. Uh, as uh, this cancer experience unfolds. And um, I'm excited to see where I go from it. It has been the most exhilarating six weeks of my life. And I'd be happy to share that with you on the blog at brucehooley.com. Well, let's start with Ohio State football. Okay, win over Penn State. What was it 20 to 12? I said before the game, if you go back and check my Twitter feed at bhools, that I did not believe in Penn State because I do not believe in James Franklin. 
I just do not believe James Franklin is an exceptional coach. I think he is a good coach. Uh, I, unlike Gus Johnson, uh, said, <laughs> who said early in the game of James Franklin, <coughs> excuse me, uh, not only is James Franklin an excellent coach, he's a great coach. Can you be one without the other? Uh, these are the kinds of histrionics that Gus Johnson traffics in that uh, make me not a Gus Johnson fan. I uh, used to be a Gus Johnson fan when I felt like Gus Johnson wasn't doing a Gus Johnson impression, uh, but he has uh, morphed into a caricature of himself back when he was Gonzaga, the slipper still fits. That was authentic, excited Gus Johnson. Now, when every other reference is to uh, Maserati Marv, it is contrived and stupid. And I find the Fox team of Gus Johnson and Joel Klatt inane because Joel Klatt tells you nothing you don't already know. He tells you a bunch of superlatives that are unprovable. He will say something like, so-and-so is the best high ball catcher in the country. I would like the metrics on proving that, please. How do you prove you are the best high ball catcher in the country? You can't prove it. I like analysts who tell me uh, why, not tell me what. And Dole Klatt doesn't do that, and Gus Johnson is, as I said, a caricature. So early in the game, we got James Franklin is not only an excellent coach, he's a great coach. He's neither. He's an okay coach. He's done a decent job at Penn State. I know they started way behind because of the Joe Paterno stuff and Jerry Sandusky stuff and the recruiting stuff and Bill O'Brien. Was it Bill O'Brien? Yeah. Believing uh, them in a lurch after he kind of got them back on their feet. But James Franklin is 1-9 against Ohio State. 1-9. <laughs> and nine. And they were 1-16 of 16 on third down. And I said early in the game, James Franklin can't resist the temptation to be James Franklin. They had it third and short and threw it. And then didn't go on fourth and short. These are the inexplicable, head-scratching James Franklin moments that confounds me how Penn State continues to put up with him as its head coach. James Franklin is the Andy Dalton of high-major NCAA Division I powerhouse football programs. Andy Dalton, as Bengals quarterback, was, and this is Spiel's assessment of him, good enough to keep both teams in the game. That was Andy Dalton. Some weeks he looked great. Other weeks, eh, not so much. James Franklin is good enough to keep both teams in the game. And I don't think his talent's that good. I don't think they're coached that well. And look, there's a lot about Penn State that is just overhyped and uh, under-delivers. And we saw all that on Saturday against Ohio State. Now, what will we see this Saturday? Ohio State and Wisconsin. Well, we'll see Luke Fickle try to compete with a team that doesn't have the talent to hang with Ohio State. And they lost one of their really good hammer running backs early in the year. I think to beat Ohio State, you've got to be able to run the football, which Penn State couldn't on Saturday. And I doubt that Tanner Mordecai and Wisconsin are going to be good enough to beat Ohio State on Saturday. But I do think Luke Fickle will learn from his previous experience coaching Cincinnati against Ohio State, and he will not coach scared. Now, Ohio State and Wisconsin over the years has been a really good, decent rivalry, and a trip up to Madison has been a root canal. Uh, remember, John Cooper team beat Syracuse, got the number five in the country, went up there and got 
smoked by Wisconsin, by Barry Alvarez. And there's a name you don't ever hear. When you hear, like, great Big Ten coaches, you know, you hear Woody, you hear Bo, maybe you go in the way-back machine, you hear Amos Alonzo Stagg or in the way-way-way-back machine, Bernie Bierman. In my opinion, in the time that I've covered Big Ten football since uh, late 80s, yeah, I'm old, the best coaching job in the history of the Big Ten in football was done by Barry Alvarez because Wisconsin was awful when Barry Alvarez came there in the, I think it was the early 1990s. And Barry Alvarez is the only coach in Big Ten history to win three Rose Bowls in one decade. He made Wisconsin a powerhouse by doing what you have to do or had to do in that area anyway to win football games, which is run the football. Everybody knew what Wisconsin was going to do. Couldn't stop it. Whether it was Brent Moss and Terrell Fletcher, whether it was Ron Dane, whether it was, uh, uh, what's the big dude, John Clay, whether it was uh, Monte Ball, they had really physical tailbacks and big, nasty, tough offensive linemen decent quarterbacks, and they hit you on defense, and I just had an admiration for the way they played. Now, Brett Bielema beat Ohio State one time. Big kickoff return to start the game by David Gilreath. Uh, Alvarez beat the national champion, defending national champion Ohio State Buckeyes in 2003, 2000, uh, 2003, uh, up there on a late uh, pass from a backup quarterback to a kid from Cleveland whose name I can't remember right now. He's a really good wide receiver. And so Wisconsin and Ohio State have a history. Now, will Luke Fickle juice that history to the next level? I mean, he could if Wisconsin is competitive and plays Ohio State even and can beat Ohio State every now and then. Um, But not this year. I don't see it. Uh, Ohio State may be a little bit vulnerable coming off the Penn State game. They're not an offensive force like they've been in the past. Uh, I think eventually that might bite Ohio State a little bit, their inability to be explosive. But again, you know, they're somewhat limited by some injuries. They haven't had a full complement of wide receivers. Kyle McCord is still kind of growing into the job. Running game hasn't all come all the way around yet. Ohio State has the potential to get better. A lot of teams right now that you would think would be national championship contenders at the beginning of the season are not getting better. USC's lost two in a row. Clemson lost to Miami. Miami lost inexplicably to Georgia Tech. Uh, Michigan looks really good, uh, but against Michigan State, it's pretty easy to look really good. And we'll talk more about Michigan in the context of uh, their cheating scandal, their alleged cheating scandal. And uh, cheating is all the rage, and a lot of people don't seem to mind it too much. We'll see uh, whether Michigan minds it very much uh, or the NCAA minds it very much. But again, James Franklin, I mean, just I'm over you, dude. Like, he keeps talking about, and many times they've lost close to Ohio State, and he's like, we're going to keep knocking, but keep pushing on that door, keep knocking down that door. Well, you're not knocking that door down. That door is impenetrable to you, James Franklin. Uh, you'll have Michigan in two weeks, maybe a chance to get healthy and, you know, show people that you're not comatose as the leader of the Penn State program. But I don't know if Michigan, I don't know if an off week serves Michigan right now. Wow, did they look good against Michigan State. But against Michigan State, and of course, now that Mel Tucker is out at Michigan State, and he should be out, the inevitable Urban Meyer to Michigan State rumors are starting. Could I see it? 
I mean, I don't know what's in Urban's mind. I don't really envision Shelly Meyer living in East Lansing. Um, maybe I'm wrong on that, but uh, I got to say no. That I would not think Urban would go to Michigan State, although that would make the conference interesting. It would make the conference interesting. There's no doubt about that. Okay, so a lot of you have asked how you can how can you support uh, us, the We Tackle Life podcast. Uh, you can support it uh, by going to Give, Send, Go, and my name. You can also support us uh, by uh, now. That's uh, where's this one is uh, by purchasing products right from MyPillow.com using my promo code Bruce. Uh, you can become a member of uh, PatriotSwitch.com, which is a place where you'd go. It's a marketing portal. I'll get your name, address, reach out, tell you about it. Really good, uh, amazing shopping club where you get all natural products. And given you know my rededication to getting the toxins, the nitrates, the sulfates, the benzene, the bleach, and all that stuff out of my life now, uh, the sugar out of my life now because cancer tumors feed on sugar, uh, Patriot Switch has been a godsend. We were in it like a year before. Uh, all natural products, everything made from plants, nothing toxic, never paid a product liability settlement. And then they added to their product line uh, the best private label beef you're going to find. It's cheaper than Moink. It's cheaper than uh, Butcher Box. It's cheaper than Omaha Steaks because they don't load you down with anything but meat. They don't give you apple tartlets. What do you pay for apple tartlets for when you can get steak and steak tips and sirloin and filet mignon and ribeye? And burger with no hormones and no antibiotics ever. So the Riverbend Ranch beef you can get uh, if at a discount if you're a Melaleuca member. You can also get a standalone Riverbend Ranch beef subscription uh, through me. So go to patriotswitch.com slash Bruce if you'd like to check that out. And if you'd like to inquire about being a member, and I'll reach out to you. I'll send you a video that I did that explains the whole thing. Now, we have some great sponsors, of course. Uh, Hemisphere Coffee Roasters has been the longest standing sponsor of the We Tackle Life podcast. 15% off when you use the promo code WETACKLELIFE in all caps. 15% off when you use the promo code uh, WETACKLELIFE in all caps. And the final thing for Central Ohio people, if you're looking for flooring, uh, that is the one thing I can do now. I can't concentrate for five hours with uh, a brain tumor and uh, the, the stuff they've got me on to keep the swelling down and the stuff I will be on to like kill off the cells that are still left from the operation that they left behind because they wanted me to be able to put two words together. Uh, but I sell flooring. I sell carpet. I sell uh, LVP, which is luxury vinyl plank. Looks like wood, looks like tile. If you're in central Ohio, you need flooring. Love to hear from you. Uh, you can email me, brucehooley at gmail.com, brucehooley at gmail.com, and uh, fill out the inquiry form. Or go to brucehooley.com and fill out the inquiry form, and I'll reach out to you. I had a nice lady in Cedarville, and her uh, husband are getting some uh, beautiful flooring for their home. And a lady on the west side getting flooring, too. Looking forward to that. So uh, make uh, a little money on that. And finally, encourage you to read the blog at um, brucehooley.com. It goes through, um, or will tomorrow, uh, what I've learned lately about a new level of Stephanie Spielman's impact on not just cancer at the James Cancer Hospital at OSU, but uh, Steph really changed the way uh, cancer is, um, I guess, not marketed, but... Uh, the customer service toward cancer, it's amazing. I know everybody's life, it seems, has been touched by it. But uh, when you get into, and I'm not in the James system, I'm in uh, the Ohio Health System at Riverside Hospital, uh, it really is amazing. And uh, there'll be, there'll be uh, details on that tomorrow in the blog at brucehooley.com. All right, so as we move on in the podcast, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the OSU Hoop Squad. You guys know hoops is my favorite sport. 
Um, was unable to attend the Ohio State exhibition against Dayton. Sounded like a great event. Uh, Chris Holtman has had uh, a brush with someone close to him uh, who uh, succumbed to the pressure of the coaching profession. Uh, his predecessor at Butler, uh, Brandon Miller, former OSU assistant coach under Thad Mata. Uh, I don't know where Brandon is now in terms of his recovery, but Brandon was the head coach at Butler, and the pressure uh, got to him. He had uh, a mental health crisis, and he's, to my knowledge, never returned to the sport. I think that made a huge impression on Coach Holtman. He has talked openly about the fact that he sees a counselor, and we have certainly become more sensitive in our society to mental health. Anthony Grant, the head coach at Dayton, suffered the most searing emotional experience a parent can, not just the death of a child, but the, um, but the suicide of a child. And so he reached out to Coach Holtman, and we got an exhibition between Ohio State and Dayton, and we got a little look at the Buckeyes and what they are going to be this year. Now, they got to have a bounce-back season, because if they don't, uh, I don't see uh, Coach Holtman surviving, but I expect them to have a bounce-back season. Uh, for, for numerous reasons. Number one, college is a guard sport, and Ohio State has a very good point guard in Bruce Thornton. He looked really good against UD. Roddy Gale looks pretty good in the backcourt. Can they shoot from distance? I think so. I think so. Thornton's okay. Um, and Jamison Battle in his fifth year, he's a pretty proven scorer. He's got a big body. Um, so I like that aspect of Ohio State. I think Devin Royal's going to help him. Uh, the Pickerington product. And I think Felix Okpara is not going to help him a lot offensively, but he's going to help him a lot defensively. And Zed Key has had that spot the last few years, and I've made the comment about Zed that, you know, Zed's hot and cold. Zed's inconsistent. Zed is a guy who, if you have Zed Key as your backup center, you're really good. If you have Zed as your starting center, you got problems. Felix Okpara can do some things defensively that keep the lane a not-friendly place for opposing guards. Zed doesn't bring that to the table. He just doesn't have that skill set athletically. So I see a lot there that I like. Uh, I love uh, Evan Mahaffey, a transfer from Penn State. Tough guy. A uh, guy who's been through the wars in the Big Ten. Uh, the young kids, I don't know. Mahaffey reminds me a little bit of uh, maybe an Evan Ravenel, a George Reese, both role players at Ohio State that really helped him. 78-70 was a win over Dayton, and uh, that's a nice way to start the season because if they lost, everybody would be like, ah, oh, sky is falling again. Sky is falling. Uh, sky not falling yet, but they got a tough schedule, and um, we'll see how they come through it. So that's a little bit for you on Ohio State hoops. Now, I mentioned at the outset that the Arizona Diamondbacks are in the World Series, and that's cool because uh, with Luis Gonzalez – and, uh, of course, Kurt Schilling and Randy Johnson, they won the World Series in 2010. That's the first year that uh, my wife and I were married. And now I look at these Diamondbacks, and now I look at these Texas Rangers, and I'm wondering, like, how much longer are Reds fans and Indians fans, excuse me, Guardians fans, how much are they going to put up with the whole, like, patience is a virtue and give us time, we're rebuilding it, um, the Indian, the Guardians, Freudian slip, are always competitive, and I think they do a really good job. And I don't mean this to be a a, a beatdown of the Guardians because you know they they do more with less than most major league teams. But when the Arizona Diamondbacks two years ago were, let me put my glasses on for this so I get this right. 
because I find this astounding. I find this astounding that both the in in 2021, okay, two years ago, the Texas Rangers were 60 and 102. They lost 100 games two years ago. They're in the World Series now. The Arizona Diamondbacks were 52 and 110. They lost 110 games two years ago. Last year, the Rangers were 68 and 94. They were like 26 games under 500. And the Diamondbacks were 74 and 88. They were 14 games under 500. Now they're in the World Series. So they've traded well, they've developed well, they've played well, and uh, I like a Diamondbacks Rangers World Series. I'll watch that. Not just because I'll root for the Diamondbacks. I don't even know half their players, more than half. But just because it's kind of cool to me that we don't get the big money teams, the Phillies, the Dodgers, even the Braves. We don't get them in the World Series. We don't get the Yankees. We don't get the Red Sox. We don't get the the haves. We get kind of the have-nots. So I'm excited about watching uh, this World Series, and we'll see how it plays out. I hope the Diamondbacks win it, but it'd be a great story if the Texas Rangers won it. Now, my buddy Scott, shout-out to my buddy Scott in uh, Houston, Texas. Scott is hurting because his Astros did not make it. They lost uh, Game 7 to the Rangers, which shocked me. Uh, also shocked me the Diamondbacks won game seven on the road. But uh, Scott's an Astro fan, and that's cool. I get that. But my friend Matt Mayer of OpportunityOhio.com wrote a really interesting Substack piece on the Astros and how we laud the Astros because they won, what, three? I don't know, three World Series? I mean, they're a super team, great team. I thought they were going to win this series when Altuve homered and uh, gave them a win in game five. But Matt Mayer points out that and Matt's a Dodger fan, so of course he's salty about this, that the Astros essentially skated off their cheating scandal where they were figuring out what pitches were coming and they were, like, tipping batters at home. and Their batting averages were wildly disparate between home and road because they knew what was coming on home and they didn't know what was coming on the road, didn't have as much control of the technology and all that stuff. And Matt Mayer, my friend, following that Ohio Matt, wrote about this in the context of this is how we look at cheating now. We look at cheating like, yeah, cheating's bad, but, you know, the old NASCAR mantra. Uh, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. That's kind of what they say in NASCAR. You know, you're trying to get one more whatever out of your carburation adjustment or one more this or that out of your spoiler adjustment, and, and you bend the rules, and, yeah, you get fined, or maybe you get kicked out of one race, but, you know, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. You're rubbing out, you're rubbing paint, all that stuff. So I, I frame this, and Matt Mayer's Substack piece is great because it goes into sports, it goes into politics, it goes into, like, this compromise. It's a compromise. What it is, it's a compromise. Comprom it's a compromising of integrity. A compromising of integrity. It's interesting. I got an email from the editor of The Plain Dealer. I'm on some, somehow I got hooked up on their subscription list, the newspaper I used to work for and cover Ohio State for. And this guy's name is Chris Quinn, okay? Now, I don't, to my knowledge, have never met Chris Quinn. And I'll be blogging about this later, and I might do a Rumble video on this one. But Chris Quinn apparently wrote a column recently about this guy who went to a store up there that has a no-questions-asked return policy. And the guy bought a, like, a card table and chairs to use it 
for his kid's lemonade stand. And then when the kid's lemonade stand was done, the guy returned to card table and chairs. No questions asked, right? Got all his money back. And Mr. Quinn was writing about this in the context of, why are people so upset? Why are they so upset? Because, you know, they have a no-return policy. They don't have to have a no-return policy. He didn't break any rules. <coughs> the vendors do this. Yeah, well, and he kept making the point, it's not against the law. It's not against the law. I hate the defense, it's not against the law. I hate that. Because character and integrity and honesty are going to have to have a higher standard than it's not against the law. Similarly, with the Houston Astros and their cheating, they didn't have to forfeit their World Series. Uh, a lot of guys on that team got paid to play elsewhere. A lot of money ceased to be that kind of player because guess what? It helps when you know a fastball's coming or a curveball's coming. Doesn't mean the Astros weren't the best team in baseball. I'm not disputing that. But if you really want to cut off cheating in sports, whether it's Spygate with the Patriots, whether it's Deflategate with the Patriots, whether it's uh, the Astros sign tipping, or whether it's Michigan football apparently buying tickets to all these games and scouting sidelines and stealing signals or figuring out a way to steal signals, if you want that to end, then it's not any more complicated than the fix for our criminal justice system, which we seem to have no interest in fixing, which is stronger punishment, greater pain brings about change behavior. It just does. Now, it's interesting to me that Michigan is accused of buying tickets to games and can't, you know, using phone cameras to video the sideline. Then they go back and look at the videotape of the game and they think they've got them dead to rights on stealing signals on sidelines. So I'm not as exorcised by this as many of my uh, Ohio State friends who are much more sold-out fans than I am. What I find interesting is that Michigan was so stupid they got caught doing it because I find it hard to believe that most teams aren't engaging in this kind of activity. Now, not exactly the same way Michigan did. I think when you buy tickets and go to games, then it's pretty blatant. But I would assume, because so much of football now is signaled in from the sideline, that a lot of teams are doing this. In fact, I would argue that if a lot of teams, if you're not doing it, if you're not trying to decipher your opponent's signals, then what's wrong with you? That's a way to try to figure out, you know, a way to win the game. So we'll see what Harbaugh gets. Uh, Harbaugh has been, um, I mean, obviously more successful lately than he's had been in the past. I don't know what changed for him. Might help to have J.J. McCarthy. That helps. <laughs> but uh, he's figured some things out. And at this point in the season, you know, the way Ohio State has played, the way Michigan has played, you got to go to Michigan. It, that looks like a really challenging game for Ohio State. Now, I know. Throw out the records. Anything can happen. All the cliches. Yes, yes, yes. But the way McCarthy's putting the ball on the mark, to his tight ends in particular, they look pretty tough to beat. But things change in the course of a season. One guy gets hurt for Michigan, everything changes. One guy gets hurt for Ohio State, everything changes. So we are a ways away from that game. Uh, 
uh, finishing off the season. Ohio State's got enough on his plate right now with his trip to Wisconsin. That place will be crazy on Saturday night, and uh, we'll see if um, Luke Fickle can get that done. Now, also Friday night, throughout the state of Ohio, we have high school football playoffs. And I uh, saw this story in uh, on Cleveland.com that if you want to go to a high school football game on Friday night and you want to pay cash for your ticket, it'll cost you 15 bucks. 15 bucks for a high school football game. That's a lot. If you buy your ticket online ahead of time and you're a student, you'll pay nine bucks. You'll also pay like a 51 cent service charge. If you're an adult, you'll pay 12 bucks and you'll pay the service charge as well. Now, there's an entity out there called Hometown Ticketing. Hometown Ticketing came around during COVID when everybody was afraid to touch everything. And, you know, you couldn't exchange cash with somebody. Oh, my goodness, you might catch the cooties if you gave somebody a $20 bill to get into a high school football game. So everybody had to buy their tickets online. And I thought this was a scam from the start. Now, I want to be careful here because I don't want to bang on uh, on the OHSAA because I think largely the OHSAA does a good job. I have some, I have some, uh, some issues with some of the things that they do, but they're a good organization. I felt like it was gouging customers and making it harder to attend games to require everyone to get an electronic ticket. Um, so when I saw this story on cleveland.com today, I was like, all right, what's going on here? Why does it cost you 60% more as a student to show up at the game and pay cash than it does to buy your ticket in advance. Uh, the explanation that I received from uh, Tim Street of the OHSAA, and I want to be fair to Tim because he was kind enough to uh, return an email uh, questioning uh, my question to him was about, you know, why, why is this the case? First of all, is this accurate? The information from cleveland.com, it was accurate. Um, so I asked him, you know, what's what's the difference? Why do you have to charge so much for a ticket when people pay in cash rather than when one of your business partners, Hometown Ticketing, gets to ding people for 51 cents for the tickets that they buy? It feels like you're trying to make... It, feel, it felt to me like the OHSAA was trying to make it so painful on people to pay cash that they would bend to the will of the digital gods and buy their tickets online, thus allowing hometown tickets to make a ginormous windfall off something that confounds me to this day what the cost is to hometown ticketing to administer a digital ticket. Why is that 51 cents a ticket? Why do you have to pay that for every ticket? I don't know if you still do, but you used to. So, uh, Tim responded to my email. He said, online tickets are $9 for students, $12 for adults with a service charge. And if you want to use cash, all tickets are $15 at the gate. The increased cost of the cash ticket is due to several factors, including the need for more security at gates that take cash. I'll listen to that. That makes sense. Increased staff needed for reconciliation after the games. I'll be listening to that because they, you know, they put the, the cash till together with the digital till. Okay, that makes sense to me. And increased costs with our auditors as we will now have two reports from each game, one for cash sales, one for online sales. All that makes sense. Uh, I asked him if this was because the OHSAA had guaranteed hometown tickets, hometown ticketing, a certain number of 
digital ticket buys. Hey, you're going to make X because this many people are going to buy tickets. And at 51 cents a service charge, you're going to make this. And then now the Ohio General Assembly came in in October and said, no, you got to take cash. You got to at least offer a cash option. That was not a ruling against the OHSAA. It was a ruling against the member schools. So splitting hairs, but still a, a, a difference that Tim at the OHSAA wanted me to point out. And I'm happy to point that out. I thought the General Assembly made the right call because here's the thing. A lot of people don't want to give their credit card information online. They fear being hacked. They don't like being gouged with the service charge. Yes, I'll stick with that word. I think it is gouging on hometown tickets part. Um, and so people just didn't go to games. You made it harder for people to go to games. And once you break a customer's habit, well, it's hard to reestablish that habit. So the General Assembly, that's your state Senate and your state House of Representatives, said, no, you got to take cash. And now the Speaker of the Ohio House, Jason Stevens, who's I'm not a fan of, um, said today that the cash price for tickets to a high school football game at $15 for the playoffs is unfortunate. Unfortunate. He, applied that, he implied that they might get involved and might do something legislatively to uh, establish the price. Bad idea. Bad idea. Look, I want the price lower. The price should be lower. Government should not set price controls. Jason Stevens, you got a lot of things you could get done in the Ohio State House. Spend your time on that instead of policing what ticket prices are. But this is one of those issues that political people like to get involved in because then they can say, oh, we're fighting for the little guy, fighting for the little guy, little guy. Look at us. Look at us, big politicos, caring about the little guy. Uh, you can tell in my sarcasm that I don't believe that they have any genuine interest in caring about the little guy when it comes to tickets, uh, whether it's to a high school football playoff game or to anything else. <coughs> so uh, with that, let me just say, I don't like the fact that tickets are 15 bucks. I think that's exorbitant. Uh, but Jason Stevens, stay in your lane, and your lane is not to fix the ticket prices of Ohio high school football playoff games. I'm really looking forward to the playoffs, by the way. I'm very sad that I will not be able to attend, uh, at least it appears that I will not be able to attend, state championship weekend at Tom Benson Hall of Fame Stadium in Canton because that's a great show. And the league that we cover at PressProsMagazine.com, many of the leagues that we cover will have teams in that. We may have teams from the OCC in that. Hilliard-Bradley, upset by Dublin-Kaufman, final week of the season, but Bradley could be there. Gahanna could be there. Uh, pick. Uh, Central could be there. Pick North, rather. Pick North could be there. Uh, we'll see Pick North and Gahanna again in the regional finals, I would bet. Uh, Steve Blackledge covered our game, uh, covered that game for us last week. You can find that at PressProsMagazine.com. If you're from Northeast Ohio, you're trying to keep track of Marion Local, the juggernaut that is Marion Local, number one in Division Seven. read about them on PressProsMagazine.com. I know all you Kirtland people know all about PressPros because uh, we appreciate you guys following the site. Okay. In the realm of big business comes to high school sports, hometown ticketing, go to hometownticketing.com or Google hometown ticketing. And if you don't think they're making bank off all these service charges that they're sticking you with when you buy a digital ticket, look at the number of employees they have. Look at the number. They get their whole roster up there. Like they get an army of people working at hometown ticketing. <laughs> and... It's like 51 cents at a time, brother. 51 cents adds up. 
In that same realm, big business comes to high school sports. I hope we never get to the day, but we will get to the day, where we have name, image, and likeness in Ohio high school sports. It's in like 30-some sports, 30-some states right now. And the big argument with NIL, which is kids getting paid for being endorsers of commercial products while being in college or in high school in a lot of these states, the big argument, the big question, the courts will eventually settle this is, are these NIL deals, should these deals be public record? Should you know what Kyle McCord, Devin Brown, and Maserati Marv make off their NIL deals? Is that your business? Or is it like they always hide behind when a kid has an injury? Ah, uh, it's a HIPAA violation. Can't tell you. A uh, federal violation. Or FERPA. Can't tell you. FERPA, HIPAA. FERPA and HIPAA are like the two biggest firewalls ever built. Like, if we had a FERPA-HIPAA wall on the southern border, we would be invaded. Uh, funny, though, they never apply FERPA and HIPAA when a kid makes academic All-American, and they're more than happy to tell you what his grade point average is. That's not private? I guess not. So, NIL now is in the high school ranks, and there are states, Utah, Louisiana, where entities are suing saying, hey, these kids are going to get paid this, then the fan base ought to know. I don't really know where I stand on that. Where I stand on NIL is I don't like it, but I understand that it is the right thing in an era where athletic directors make $2 million. Shout out, Gene. And where coaches make $9 million. Shout out, Ryan Day. If those guys are going to make that for coaching these kids, then these kids ought to make some money too. They just should. And they are, some of them. Uh, now, the kids who don't make the money that deserve it just as much are the kids in the minor sports like wrestling at Ohio State, uh, other sports at Ohio State. Uh, but that's just the free market working. So I'm not going to intervene there either, and I'm not going to advocate that anybody does intervene there. But I don't like the idea of NILs in high schools. Because in high school, and you might notice behind me, I have a couple of my uh, signs for running for school board. I believe that we can reclaim a lot of the values that have vanished in America by better educating our high school students, not with, you know, English and math and science. That's important, obviously very important. It's most important. But by through extracurricular activities like sports, band, uh, uh, dramatic productions, all these things, kids need to concentrate on a couple of things, work ethic and the concept of delayed gratification and sacrifice for the collective. The sacrificing of the individual for the collective. What is a team? A team is a collective where... One guy might want to shoot all the time in basketball. One guy might want to get every carry in football. It's not practical, right? It's not practical. you got to sublimate the individual desire for the good of the team. That's a great value that kids can learn in high school. If a kid in high school is getting a free car, like some guys in college are getting free cars, that blows the concept of delayed gratification, and it drives a wedge between players on the same team. makes it harder for coaches to coach teams instead of managing individuals. Work ethic. You work at something, you work at something, you work at something, you get a benefit from it. People who can play the guitar well, 
think John Mayer sat down the first time and ripped off a blues chord? I doubt it. Probably sounded pretty bad. But he put in the work. He stuck with it. And the work ethic paid off in a greater skill than he probably envisioned when he started. So delayed gratification, work ethic, sacrifice of the individual for the collective, these are all things that are undermined by the instant one, two, three, look at me, I'm special, I'm the quarterback, I'm special, I'm the prettiest girl on the basketball team, whatever. I should get paid. No, you really shouldn't get paid. You shouldn't get paid for that because it's not good for your personal development. So I'm running for my local school board. I'm super excited about it. I have no idea whether I'm going to win or not. I'm working hard at it because I'm I'm so passionate about re-emphasizing these timeless values that made our country the kind of country it is. And the departure from those values is what's put our country in a situation where I don't want to get too political on the podcast, but like right now it's, I mean, we've got a volatile situation in the Middle East. We've got Iran like shooting at our soldiers. Um, We left $80 billion in equipment behind for the Taliban. Like I don't think our reputation worldwide is, is good right now. And um, and I think that's a lot because both parties, I'm not, I'm not banging on the party in power, both parties have departed from values that are essential to preserving the kind of country we've had. It's the kind of country I want my kids to grow up in. It's the kind of country I want my grandkids to grow up in. The kind of country that I think, inarguably, don't we all think our country was better when we were growing up than now, I mean, I know there are a lot of people who think that, you know, now we're more enlightened or now we're more tolerant or now we're more diverse or whatever. Um, I could give you a long discourse on that, um, but I just don't subscribe to the theory that departing from traditional American values has been good for America. And I think if we bring NIL to high school athletics, it's going to be increasingly bad and increase what I think is probably one of the most damaging values out there. And I see this in my kids. I try to battle it all the time. That's the attitude of selfishness, that everything revolves around you. And, you know, it causes people to be blind to the needs of others. So that's uh, a little bit of where I am and why I'm passionate about running for school board. So before we go, I want to say a big thank you to those of you who have, uh, you know, rededicated yourselves to the podcast now that it's back appreciate all of you who continue to subscribe. And I know for a long time there wasn't anything in your inbox. Uh, I'll be more intentional about that. Although, you know, true confession, I'm starting treatment November the 6th. Uh, we'll outline that in a blog at brucehooley.com in the next day or two, what that looks like, how we arrive there. No secret, we arrive there in prayer. Um, so I can't commit to like, it'll be every day at this particular time or every couple days at this particular time, but um, it'll be out there because um, I think it's important for it to be out there and I want to re-engage with you guys. But I want to shout out a couple people who just have been like exceedingly kind uh, during this cancer battle. And just to show you, you know, like we're talking about the values of America and we're talking about how we get back to where we are. Um, this experience uh, since being diagnosed with brain cancer has shown me that um, it's easy to focus on, ah, this stinks and that stinks and ah. There are still so many supportive people out there. I can't even begin to tell you how many people have said they're praying for me, and I feel that collective strength. But there are also people who uh, 
do something tangible. And this is not to say that those who do something tangible is, is better. It's just that it gives me a way to demonstrate to you the, the, the cool, like kind things that people do. So I received this uh, note and little tiny package in the mail, uh, from a gentleman named Tim in Alabaster, Alabama. And Tim writes this note, and uh, let me see if I can uh, show you this on camera. Uh, Tim writes this note right here that says, uh, Bruce, my wife and I pray for you daily. With God, all things are possible. And there's a verse on the back, Proverbs 16, 20, and whoso trusteth in the Lord, happy is he. Yeah, amen. And he also sent me, Tim sent me this, really cool little uh, cross statue, which is made out of nails, the kind that the Romans uh, used to nail Jesus to the cross, which uh, that's going to be like on my uh, shelf back here, Tim. And that reminds me of your kindness and your outreach and the fact that, um, you know, a lot of people are are praying for me and that's cool. Also received an email and you can always email the show at uh, wetacklelife at gmail.com, wetacklelife at gmail.com. You can email brucehooley at gmail.com. Uh, This is from a gentleman named Andy. And Andy says, first off, many praises for your faith, courage, and strength as you embark on your health battle. Though we've never met, I feel like like I know you pretty well through the podcast. He says, I may have listened to them all. Okay, cool. Your opinions are very similar to mine, and I really do enjoy listening in, so please keep it up. I intend to. There are a few of us goofballs out here paying attention and patiently waiting on the next drop. Uh, And... Andy went on and he uh, outlined a, uh, a personal situation that is uh, similar to the one that, uh, that I'm facing now. And I have zero fear or uh, anxiety about my future, first of all, because my prognosis is really good. And second of all, because I just never thought about being anything other than energized to tell people about where my certainty and faith and hope come from, which is in my relationship with Jesus Christ. And my relationship with Jesus Christ is that I know what he did for me at the cross. I know what he did for me. He died for me. He died for you too, but he would have come just to die for me. He would have come just to die for you because it's the only way we could be redeemed, to be forgiven, to be exonerated for the sins that we've committed, sins that we've committed like actually by doing them, um, or thinking about them or, or, you know, harboring ill thoughts in our minds. See, the equation of salvation is very simple. And this is, let me uh, find the uh, promo here, the, uh, the label here, uh, that this is the faith portion of the podcast. I think I have it on here somewhere. Um, yeah, here we go. <clears throat> the equation is very simple. But people complicate it. You make it really complicated. And the reason why it's complicated to a lot of people and why it was complicated to me for 35 years is that I framed the process by which I'll be judged at the end of my life as to whether or not I go to heaven or not is, was then, in my mind, the same process by which I was judged as a reporter. If I broke a story that day, I was the man. If I got beat that day or I didn't do a good job that day, oh, got a little making up to do there, Bruce. How are you going to fix it? Well, the problem with trying to fix your sin issue is you can't. You can't be determined and disciplined enough to be perfect, <laughs> to never sin, to never get upset, to never lose your temper, to never swear, to never, you know, lust after someone. You just can't do it. 
Can't do it because Satan's working against you all the time. He's putting temptations in front of you. He's dangling things in front of you. You can only do it. You can only bear up against it to a certain degree once you are indwelt or uh, inhabited by the Spirit of God. Well, it weirds people out, right? Ooh, the Holy Ghost. Yeah, okay. Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, however you want to look at it. Spirit of truth. The, 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 uh, Jesus refers to him as the counselor, the helper. Uh, Charles Stanley, the late Charles Stanley, used to say the Holy Spirit would be in you, with you, and upon you. And how do you get the Holy Spirit in you? It's not some mystical thing you get by handling snakes or anything like that. It's just by saying, hey, Lord Jesus, I understand. I, I'm a sinner, and I can't fix it. But you did fix it. And so what you did for me at the cross, I'm claiming that. I've got that. And when I breathe my last and I reach the final judgment, and none of us know how that works, you don't barter your way, bargain your way, argue your way into heaven. Nobody prays you into heaven after you're already dead. Sorry. It's not biblical. It's not true. I'm not doing you any favors by lying to you or being afraid to offend you. Um, as the Apostle Paul once said, I tell you the truth. Am I therefore your enemy? I'm telling you the truth. The judgment upon whether you will live eternally or perish in eternal torment in hell is 100% within your control because Jesus did what he needed for you at the cross and he handed it over to you and he said, now what are you going to do with me? Who am I? Who am I to you? Am I the, am I the son of God? Am I the son of God who came, the, the lamb who came? Behold, the lamb who takes away the sins of the world. That's what John the Baptist said when he saw Jesus. Behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. You ever like workshop that out? The lamb was an animal that was often sacrificed by the Jewish people as atonement for what? Sin. They killed the lamb to show God we're sorry for our sin, please forgive us. And that was the system then, and God forgave them. But animal sacrifice, God said many times in Isaiah, it's not what I want. I don't want the blood of bulls and rams and goats. I don't want a bloodbath. I want your heart. I want your heart to humble itself to say, I'm not good enough. I can't be good enough to qualify for heaven on my own. But Jesus was he died on my behalf, so I'm claiming that. I'm claiming that as mine. I'm with him, <laughs> okay? That is, no more, that is no more complex than that. But you have to give up your own I'm good enough aspect of this. And if you don't, man, you've blown what was so easily fixed. Because of what? Pride? Anger? There are a lot of reasons people don't come to Jesus because, well, this happened to somebody I love and it's unfair and you caused it. Did he cause it? Or did Satan cause it? Did he allow it? I don't know. Did did Jesus cause my brain cancer? Did he allow my brain cancer? I kind of hope he did cause it and I kind of hope he did allow it because it's a gift. It's a gift to me to give me avenues to talk about things with people that they otherwise wouldn't want to talk to me about. Because the honest truth of it is, when you have cancer, and particularly when you have brain cancer, people think you're going to die. And so they don't have the heart to tell you, no, shut up about the salvation thing. And I'm going to take advantage of that. I'm going to take advantage of that because I just have such a certainty that 
my future is secure, whether it's 15 years from now or 25 years from now, and I've heard projections of both from doctors, so you're not getting rid of me that easily. And I want to take with me as many people as I can, sure, who I know and love, but people I don't even know or love. I don't, I don't love them because I don't know them. If I, if I knew them, I'd love them. Because we're compelled as Christians to love one another. And what greater love can you have than for me to sit here and tell you how it really is determined as to whether you go to heaven or not? It's not on your merit. It can't ever be on your merit. Go back and read the blog where I, the, the uh, title of the blog is, I think it's the most important decision in life or it's the right answer in life or something like that. And that is when Satan tells you, you're not good enough. Yeah, loser, you said this, you thought this, you did this. The only answer is, yeah, yeah, but I don't have to be good enough. So I'm pounding that theme because it is so essential. And when people get hung up on, well, this happened to me when I was in my 20s, and that's unfair, and I lost somebody I loved, and if God really loved me, he wouldn't do that to me. You know, High State's going to play Wisconsin on Saturday night. They're not confused. They're not going up to Madison and and game planning for Illinois. They're not going up there game planning for Northwestern. They're going up there game planning for Luke Fickle and Wisconsin. So they know who their opponent is. Do you sure? Are you sure you know who your opponent is? Like when you say, oh, God allowed, uh, God caused this. You sure? Now, God is more powerful than Satan. He has a purpose in sometimes allowing Satan to do things. And we can't figure it out because we're suffering and we're like, why'd you let that happen for? Why'd you let him do that to me? Why'd you let him take that person? We don't get those answers in this life. We get them in the next life. Unless you don't get the decision right about who Jesus was, then you never get those answers. And the person who puts you through that torment, your real opponent, Satan, he gets to torment you more, a lot more, for eternity. It's your choice. It's your choice. It is. It's totally your choice. I pray you make the right choice. It took me 35 years to figure it out. Man, my life is so much different now. And even at age 63, like, being handed this surprise, I'm so grateful to have this opportunity to re-engage with you here and on other platforms. I don't have all the answers health-wise. I don't have all the answers finance-wise. I don't have all the answers to a lot of the things that have been put on hold or turned upside down by this diagnosis and the fact that I can't work for a while and the fact that I'm probably going to be sick for a while. And But I got the only answer that really, truly matters. I know where I'm going. I know why I'm going there. And it's not because of anything I've done. And I would do anything to help you see it. To help you own it. To help you have it like I have it. Because it is amazing. It is amazing. So with that, 
Uh, thank you to all of you for listening. Um, I would appreciate it very much if you would tell your friends about the podcast, if you think they can be encouraged by it, uh, about my content at brucehooley.com. I have let it uh, wane here for the last week uh, because <laughs> I have set. I probably will exceed this at some point um, going forward, <clears throat> but I've set a record <laughs> for doctor's appointments in the last week. Like, it's like every day I, re- I acquire a new, uh, a new doctor in a new specialty. Um, I used to joke with Herbie when Herbie and I were doing the show at the fan. One time we went to the big 10 tournament and Herbie traveled with like his buddies and his buddies, like one was a doctor, one was a podiatrist, one was some, and I was like, Herb, you got your own medical team. <laughs> now, now like I have my own medical team because when you have cancer, you've got an oncologist and a surgeon and a radiologist and this and that. And I've got a chiropractor and I've got a nutrition doc and, and I got a great team. And, um, and so, um, I'll be sharing more about that, uh, that team and what they're doing for me and, uh, the changes that have already happened and the, and the, um, and the approach that I have in the hopes that it can encourage you and other people who uh, might be facing this or any kind of a trial. So, uh, with that, uh, we'll knock down uh, the end of the podcast and get it in under an hour. Thanks for subscribing. Review it on iTunes. Email uh, brucehooley at gmail.com or wetacklelife at gmail.com. Love to sign you up for a membership to patriotswitch.com. Get you into being a pe- member of the private shopping club. Get you some the best steak you're ever going to eat in your life. Shipped right to your door. Uh, frozen, aged, awesome stuff. Need carpet? Get a hold of me. I'll take care of you. Carpet, LVP flooring. Um, and the give, send, go is there if you want to check it out. So everybody have a great night. And, uh, with that, if I can find a cursor to hit the off button, uh, we'll bid you adieu here on a, uh, October 24th, bleeding into October 25th. We tackle life podcast. Good night, everybody.